Top of the news this evening is speculation concerning the real facts behind the Department of Health announcement about a radioactive spill supposed to have occurred yesterday at the state nuclear plant. You will die only to live again in a younger body. Then you can tell me if the operation was a success. I could easily kill you now, but I'm determined to have your brain. You're listening to the Really Awful Movies podcast, a celebration of genre cinema. in California have released reports focusing on the phenomenon specifically on that trance-like state. Every shelter is becoming a trap. Are you sure we're going to be all right? Cooper, you got to help me out! And every road out... Don't stop no matter what happens. ...is just another dead end. They're coming right for us! Romero's Night of the Living Dead. From our downtown Toronto headquarters, here's episode 437 of the Really Awful Movies podcast. Night of the Living Dead from 1990. When you think about it, I guess the canonical three uh, George A. Romero films, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead sort of got off easy in the remake soft reboot department because this effort along with uh, Zack Snyder's 2004 Dawn of the Dead are practically high watermarks for quality when you consider how god-awful some horror remakes have been of late and continue to be whether it's the likes of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something as sort of pedestrian and and dull as a prom night and the quite dismal carry. It's almost become a cliche that soft reboots, reimaginings are the stuff of uh, complete shite and uh, are not worth pursuing and are just there as a cash cow with uh, only economic justification and little else. Sometimes you get stuff that's like competently made if unspectacular in the case of like a pet cemetery or an it where the films are fine and you're not going to resent them but they don't bring much to the table. Now I, I think there's been a re, reappraisal and reappreciation, if you want to call it that, of 1990s Night of the Living Dead. Some of it is merited, and some of it I think is a little wanting. But in in the in hindsight, it is not it is not the crap show that uh, initial reviewers have uh, deemed it. But it's also not one of the better horror remakes of all time, as some other critics have uh, swung the pendulum in the other direction have uh, claimed. And it it's interesting in that it's it's uh, very formulaic and yet makes a few little adjustments and, and uh, tweaks uh, to accommodate a more modern at the time sensibility it's something a youtuber critical drinker has been uh, as his name would suggest uh, critical of for the um, uh, trope of the strong female characters he would call it where instead of uh, writing a interesting, well-rounded uh, character with lots of motivations and backstory. You just have one who's 
sole reason for being is to be a strong female character. And the Barbara update of the original one, who is kind of a more sheepish, less agency type character, as was a kind of befitting of the time, has been uh, transmogrified into a more ass-kicking, kind of a Ripley alien-style uh, Terminator sharpshooter in the 1991. And I think with some success, just in, in terms of uh, the dynamics of the, the people hold up in the home in Pennsylvania, but I'm not, not sure to the extent it really makes things that much better. I mean, obviously you also have Tom Savini both uh, behind the director lens, but also lending his expertise to some of the effects. And uh, obviously his work from the in uh, from Maniac and the Prowler is so exemplary, and, and the work here is really cool too. That adds a certain dimension. But and and I got to say also I've yet to see the original Night of the Living Dead colorized edition. So Night of the Living Dead for a little backstory is the first bona fide horror film I ever watched, and it was a frequent late night stalwart of uh, the Fox affiliate in Buffalo, New York, which is an hour away from Toronto, and it would frequently run at different times in Halloween, so I stayed up, I believe I was maybe 11 or something, 10 years old, and I stayed up to watch this on a, on a crummy TV in our family room once my um, parents had gone to bed. And I was quite, I found it quite gripping and it's, it's obviously become a cultural touchstone for a reason with, uh, you know, they're, they're dead, they're all messed up and uh, they're coming to get you, Barbara. And of course, oft longtime listeners to the Really Awful Movies podcast will note the closing outro music for this show is the copyright free as it turned out, as, as per uh, George A. Romero's infamous uh, screw-up, is public domain. And uh, we use that because it's, well, A, it's public domain, but also the um, unbelievable impact it had on me as a viewer first off. So I couldn't help but color my perceptions of the 1990 effort, given the importance of the original 1968 version uh, to my horror fandom. Now, I should say, too, that this is basically an updating and a coloring and uh, an updating of the characters uh, who are all holed up in the house. But there's something, I think, that's very unique and sort of grungy about the original. Also, given the fact that you have Dwayne Jones in the role as Ben, who's a black man who's famously cast in that role and, and uh, defying uh, expectations at the time, and, and I think since as well. I think the what works in the film's favor is that it was released in the height of the civil rights era and, and yet was black and white, so it had some of the, uh, you, you got the sensibility you had because a lot of the footage of the civil rights era was from uh, black and white, so it adds an extra resonance even though like color had been around for, well, at least a dozen years by the time that film came out, if not uh, longer, it's, it's hard even to say. So um, I thought it was a pretty cool uh, approach. As an aside, I just want to say how uh, really, really amazing it is to see people for whom you have such uh, unwavering and, um, you know, and, and huge respect for in the horror space. I mean, you can't get any more iconic than Messrs. Tony Todd and uh, Tom Savini here. I mean, Tony Todd is a more than capable stand-in for the uh, Ben role, originally brought to screen by Dwayne Jones, obviously. And uh, it's funny, uh, both of these uh, gentlemen have a kind of a fleeting uh, association with the Really Awful Movies podcast. Um, I briefly met Tony Todd in an elevator at a horror convention outside of uh, Toronto, and uh, Jeff, 
the former co-host of the Really Awful Movies podcast, has, if I'm not mistaken, uh, met Todd on a couple of occasions, but also, as you can um, check out an earlier episode, uh, in, got a chance to interview Tom Savini when he was in Toronto for a horror con. So it is really cool how at least in the in the first iteration of the Really Awful Movies podcast, we were doing a lot of industry uh, work and interviewing a lot of uh, horror luminaries, but also up-and-coming people in the horror space. And it, it was just becoming a little bit too unwieldy for the podcast to continue to do it. But that was a fun thing to do at the time to uh, to, to be in the in the presence of these uh, these icons. And uh, Tony Todd is really amazing. And I was just, you know, uh, leafing through his Wikipedia entries and kind of stunned to see that they actually put like Platoon and Star Trek TNG ahead of Candyman in his uh, little bio. I know maybe different uh, properties resonate with different people uh, across the world and whatnot, and you can't always take stock in how these kinds of things uh, are edited, especially as they're done so en masse. But for me, I mean, Candyman, is there a better, and this is a rhetorical question that I'm going to answer, but is there a better 90s horror than Candyman? And the answer is absolutely and unequivocally not. And uh, he brings a really, really, I think, subtle and kind of emotional uh, portrayal of uh, Ben to this one, in, in addition to having unbelievable action agency as as a towering figure that he is, who's uh, very capable and very handy, and he brings his uh, six foot five frame to the proceedings as, as an amazing lead action uh, ass kicker in this film, which, uh, you know, uh, plays a nice counterpoint to the, uh, the Barbara character who's also uh, kicks ass in her own right. And of course, they play up the dynamic inside the house of Koopa, Koopa, and the sort of uh, surrogate stand-in for the, uh, I guess, wealthy uh, do-nothing and his wife, who's a, a pearl-wearing uh, a socialite type and who's uh, with a propensity to sort of hide in the basement in the hopes that things will blow over. And I think, uh, in, a, in a way, I think brought to kind of ludicrous extremes. I want to say is Tom Tolls who plays the Cooper uh, character who's seemingly obsessed with, uh, you know, uh, cowering in the basement and holding himself up down there when everyone knows it's always better to move higher because at least you can come down and there's no way to get out of a basement. Have people learned nothing from the horror space? Not to get all meta and everything, but what, what makes zombie films so interesting and why they, along with you know, post-apocalyptic wasteland dystopian films. What makes them so compelling is what makes this one compelling and really what makes any of these movies compelling in their own way, unless they're totally mishandled, is uh, speculation and uh, the the discussions that they inevitably spur about to what extent you'd be able to survive one of these uh, calamities, but also the kind of human dynamics that tend to play out when people have to work together, which is something we saw at the beginning of COVID in a positive way. And then as things turn south, a realization that how quickly uh, society kind of unravel. And um, I almost thought it was almost like a little microcosm of uh, of the uh, the workplace in a way. The, the the dynamic between all these principles hold up in the, in the house, which also includes Tommy, a young kind of redneck uh, Pennsylvania guy, 
who's good with guns and a bit of a dummy. But yeah, this kind of idea that there are different people with different capabilities and different abilities and different motivations and different work ethics and are all being put together seemingly randomly. And I kind of got that sense in a reading of this film as a kind of, again, a microcosm of the workplace. You have people who uh, coast and rest on their laurels and have a propensity to tell other people what to do, but then when it comes down to brass tacks, don't really do much on their own. And I think everyone's worked at an office uh, or a job like that where you have people who are always a little below the radar who don't want to be found out and when they inevitably are and when they're inevitably sussed out they're turfed so I thought that was an interesting thing where you always have these people who are highly motivated who are typically rewarded for their motivations, although not in the case, sadly, of uh, Ben, both in the original you know, Dwayne Jones, obviously, and the harrowing uh, racial um, undertones and the text and subtext and what transpired to him in the first film and also what happens, uh, spoiler, obviously, to the Tony Todd uh, reprise of uh, that character here. but. The, the different dynamics of, at play, uh, both society-wise and uh, both in the workplace, and anyway, uh, work in a more general sense of getting people to come together to face a common goal. And it's the, the, what works in this film's favor is the bickering and the decision-making, or lack thereof, until, I guess, Ben uh, really stands up and stands tall. I uh, almost want to reference the other six foot five uh, hero of Bo Svensson here, but um, yes, yeah, standing up and deciding to be a champion and to be a leader and uh, not a follower or not someone who just hides in the background and hopes things will blow over. And uh, that's kind of a neat thing where they all eventually do, with one exception being Cooper, bandy together to, I guess, uh, uh, hold off the uh, hordes of zombies. And of course, the you know, Night of the Living Dead follows the template of the siblings who are uh, attacked in the cemetery. And there's, there's quite good banter at the beginning about how the uh, brother and sister duo uh, bicker about how they've spent more time in the, in the um, cemetery with their, uh, the, their deceased uh, parents than they actually did in, in real life. So there's some kind of quirky little fun lines on that side of things. But this is basically a film that follows the original template with uh, a lot more whiz-bang, uh, gory effect. But I, th I think it is kind of neat, and we're going to segue into things I've learned here, but... Uh, to have someone like a Bill Mosley, the iconic uh, horror actor, of course, being in this one, but to also see how easily nails could just be uh, pummeled into uh, doorways. And it's just unbelievable how quickly this team works, and hilariously so. It really is hard to hit a nail in straight unless you're a practiced construction worker or in the trades. Like It's not something you can just dismiss and they uh, seemingly these uh, the materials that they're using are not very uh, strong despite being this it looks like a, a, um, a farmhouse with really good bones so I thought that was a kind of a funny thing too it's a bit akin to how in the southern United States everyone barricades their homes up in anticipation of a big storm and maybe hurricane or tornado alley wherever it is in Oklahoma I believe or obviously the uh, high-profile storms that inevitably hit the Florida panhandle. So it's always fun and cool to see how everyone's battening down the hatches, as they say, said in wrestling, uh, cliched. But, but also to sort of get together and fight off the uh, encroaching uh, zombie hordes. And uh, what's kind of interesting but not alluded to here is just the sheer waste of bullets as well, because you got to figure... Much like the situation in Ukraine, uh, you can't 
you, you know, artillery may be uh, harder to come by as you as the um, worldwide zombie epidemic uh, just continues unabated. And you should really be a little sparing in your use of these things, especially since the creatures are slow-moving zombies and you can easily navigate around them individually. And of course, their danger comes about by being uh, by attacking en masse in a way. So anyway, lots of readings you can make uh, into this one as you could and can in any zombie film because it really lends itself as a blank canvas to any kind of metaphorical or subtextual uh, in interpretations you may have. And that's what makes the genre so much fun. My personal favorites, I think, are 28 Days Later. and uh, But I think that uh, is far, far down the line from the likes of A Dawn of the Dead, which I think is the one that stands a cut above with the uh, economic uh, motivations and the, the retail uh, mall aspect of things. I think that's probably the top one. Uh, a lot of modern film uh, viewers, horror film aficionados, are really keen on a train to Busan or that kind of thing. But it really, I mean, it, it's wholly subjective too, at least in terms of what kind of styling and what kind of uh, approach, uh, literally and uh, figuratively, you like your zombies to have. I'm, I'm more of a proponent of the slow-moving ones. And of course, I'm, when I'm talking about my favorite, I'm talking about North American zombie films. So I put Dawn of the Dead up there at the, among the top. If we're going to delve into the Italian style, then I'm going to obviously put the Fulci gut munchers way above everything else. But I think stylistically, you can kind of separate them out because their genesis is often different and the Italian ones don't have the kind of uh, mass panic hysteria and uh, dystopian kind of feel and as, as the, the ones that do on these shores. So I think that's a way you can sort of delineate between the two. Anyway, this is kind of a fun remake kind of silly. Uh, tonally, it reminds me a little bit of the sequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where you had a, a lot of uh, nuttiness and uh, just a lot of uh, lunacy happening around uh, the thing that sort of tonally was a bit of a shift from the original. Uh, that one, uh, much like this one, has been uh, more well-received in subsequent decades that have interceding decades. And uh, But yeah, I think it is to each their own, uh, depending on what kind of sensibility you want to have uh, these kinds of films possess. Uh, I'm going to give this one a three out of five, really enjoyable super fun. I watched this on Halloween well, with the added atmosphere of all the goings-on in my neighborhood. I took my boy out trick-or-treating. There's lots of stuff happening with lots of people out in the streets and I was uh, really a boy to see uh, lots of wonderful displays uh, of all sorts and it was an amazing Halloween. I hope you enjoyed yours and let's continue to dive into some horror and action as we uh, wind the year down. Talk to you soon. Take care. Thank mm -hmm. you.